0: Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested, personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Columbia, South Carolina. He is the founder and principal of the No BS Sales School and Podcast. He's trained over 200 sales teams and has coached businesses in nearly 100 different industries. He teaches teams how how to establish a repeatable sales process, fix bad sales behaviors, disqualify bad leads quicker, and build a team of true sales professionals. He is the real deal sales trainer and coach. And his no BS approach to sales is exactly what you need to get to the next level. Welcome to the show. My new friend, Walker McKay. Hey, Walker.
1: Hey, Jonathan. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. I'm um, excited to have you on today, John, your listeners. I want to mention one thing to them. This is a great show and you're a great host. They can reward, the best way they can reward you for this free stuff you're putting out is to go to wherever they listen to the podcast and go give you five stars and leave you a review because that'll be the best thing you can do to boost this show so more people can hear it.
0: Dude, I love it. I love it because we do want to reach more people. We want to reach a lot, of, not just in South Carolina, you know, 80% of our audience is in South Carolina. but We have people all throughout the U.S. and, yep. and globally that are listening to us, but you're right, man. They, they It's it's bigger than they realize just going out it there and doing bigger. that one small thing.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. So thanks, man. Way to make That's an fun. impact.
0: Well, dude, excited to have you in today. Uh, so you mentioned you wanted to, I, I want to chat about your story and uh, how you got into sales and some of the excuses you were making in life. So I'm going to let you just go ahead and jump in and, and start talking, man. Tell, tell us your story.
1: Sure. So I got into sales for the reason maybe a lot of people do and that somebody told me early on um, or when I was in, maybe in college, they said, gosh, Walker, you can talk to anybody and you've got thousands of friends. You should go into sales. which are two terrible reasons to go into sales. And we'll talk about that in a little while. But so I got into, I went into the banking business and where I was told to go out and get new business, and So I did that by going to try and make new friends and um, talk to people. And um, anyway, about 18 months at the bank and I either got fired or quit. I don't remember which happened. I get confused. It's been so long ago. Then I went into commercial real estate because I was a natural salesperson because I could talk to anybody and had thousands of friends. Right. And um, about eight years into the business, seven years in the business, I was doing eh, a little less than mediocre. Um, The sales training that I got to that point was there's the desk, there's the street, those are buildings, go sell one to somebody. That was the Mm -hmm. first bit of training I got. The second bit of training that I got was you should be the biggest the smartest guy in the room and the biggest asshole in the room okay -hmm. so there's my great trick so all of these are freaking terrible advice that i got but that was what i was taught what i was told and what i watched right so anyway when i um had a friend who went to go um hire a sales coach and i was like you don't need a sales coach you already know everybody you can talk to anybody yeah Um, and he said well no i think i can get better i'm like how and anyway, I was convinced that my friend had just wasted his money and I wanted to go meet this guy who took money from him. And I, I went to go see him, knowing that I didn't need that guy's help because I was great right. at sales. But the results didn't show it, but I was great at sales. Right. And so we started talking and um, to this sales coach, who we went and had a meeting with him and he said, um, So you're in commercial real estate. So, yep. He said, making probably what, a million bucks a year? And I was like, Oh no. He said, Half a million. And I said, Mm-mm. He said, 200 and i said i hope maybe next year (laughs) and he said why not a million and i said well first of all i'm in columbia south carolina I freaking nobody makes that kind of money here and number two i don't know if you know this we're in a commercial real estate recession at the time this is 1990 is last century as my children like to say um it was um you know we have a very polit- politic, a lot of politics in the office and I don't play that shit, so I don't get the good leads. And I went yeah. on for two, three minutes and he said, um, I looked up and he was giving me the stop sign. I said, what? He said, suppose I told you I thought those were excuses. Mm. I was like, oh, shit. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, my God, he's right. But it was the same thing I'd been hearing everybody around me say. All the other losers in the bullpen were saying yeah. the same thing, right? And then he really got me because he said, where else in your life do you making excuses? And I was Ooh. like, oh, shit. And I was like, I live in a crappy apartment. My mom says I'm never going to get married because I'm such an asshole and all these other things. And, and I wept in his yeah. office, right? I'm not a crier, but I wept in his office. Actually, I'm a crier. And, yeah. um, and I wrote him a check for 2000 bucks that day to help me. Well, here at the end of that story was the damn check bounced anyway. He kept me, I made it good and I'm working along. And I worked with him for nine or 10 years. Well, he was my coach for a couple of years. And then he called me one day, um, and I'd started my own commercial real estate business. I did not want to have any more excuses. So I started my own advisory firm was doing great stuff, had good business. And he called me one day and said, I hate to do this to you, but I'd love to talk to you about coming to work with me. I know you've got a great business but come work with me. And I'd referred him a ton of people. He had changed my life of what he had showed me. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like fun. So i to go work with him. Um, and somewhere down the road, um, we, made, we had a great business. We made a lot of money together, but his directions and my directions started going different ways. And sure. I kind of let our relationship fall apart. Mm. And, um, and it was killing me. And But I realized that I was getting madder and madder and madder whenever I go to work because I, we kept clashing. And I said, um, told my wife, said, I got to leave. I can't stay. I got to get the hell out of here. But I wasn't going to tell anybody I need to work my way through this. And I invited a client to lunch. I wasn't going to talk to them about anything. I'm talking to them about their business, right? And the, and the client, I go sit down at lunch. I still remember the seat where I was sitting in. And we sit down. And he goes, you look like shit. Which, by the way, is a killer way to greet somebody because they're like, What? What are you talking about? But he was being honest. And I said, <laughs> And I said, um, What are you talking about? And then he goes, You just look terrible. And I said, Oh my God. And so I just basically vomited my information. I'm miserable in my job. This isn't working out. We've got a great business, but I hate going to work. And I said, It's 50% my fault and 50% his fault, blah, blah, blah. And I go into my story and I look up and William's giving me the stop sign. Mm. I said, What? he said, it's 100% your fault. And I said, shit, you're right. Tell me why you say that. And he said, because if you blame, if you give somebody else 50% of the blame, you'll be blaming the wrong damn person for the rest of your life. I was like, shit, you're right. It is 100% my fault. And the cool thing about that realization was I could then go to my business partner and sincerely say, I'm sorry. I dorked this whole thing up. I've been an asshole. I have not been in my right frame of mind. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. And I'd rather go try on my own. I apologize sincerely, wow. yeah. right? And walk away. Wasn't harboring any anger, any frustration, anything like that. It was me, right? Which was so freeing. And I thank William for that all the time for helping me get there. So then I have a long non compete. I have all this crazy stuff. I'm working as a, Outsourced VP of sales for a number of different companies. I sucked at it. I sucked at being an outsourced VP of sales. The business model sucked. It was awful. And a friend of mine called after my, just after my non-compete was over, just before, and said, You should go back into training. Why the hell don't you do that? And I said, Man, I don't have any money for a training room. I right. said, Yeah, what else? I said, I don't have any materials. He said, What else? <laughs> and I said, I mean, I, I don't know how to even do that. And he said, are you finished making excuses? Mm. I said, what? He goes, there's this thing called Zoom that you can use. It will cost you a hundred bucks a year. Can you find a hundred bucks a year? I was like, oh yeah. He said, you've got 10,000 hours of material in your head. You just need to write it down. I was like, you're right. And he said, I can help you with the business model. I was like, okay. And he goes, any other excuses? I was like, nope. And so it's funny. I am this, um, I am an A plus professional league excuse maker. Yeah. And so that has become one of my, that's one of the things I constantly struggle with myself. And I've come up with a um, a way that I reframe when I catch myself is instead of saying, I can't, they won't, it's not, it'll never is say instead, I haven't figured out how to yet. Mm. I haven't figured out how to lose 20 pounds this year. I hadn't figured out how to make, how to collect a million bucks in my business in a year yet. I haven't figured out how to do this. And it's amazing when you, when I start reframing my issues like that, I take responsibility for them and it's very freeing. And the funny thing is when you say, I can't, they won't, it's not your brain goes, okay, that's the truth. But instead, when you say I haven't figured out how to yet, the brain goes, Yeah, how do we figure that out? Yeah. And so anyway, I'm over here now. I've been doing this business for eight years on my own. I started the no BS sales school. We've got clients all around the country. It's a I'm still not collecting a million bucks yet, but we're headed that way. And um I have a rule with my clients. I tell them, you know, between you and me, between my clients and me, I say, look, if you ever hear me make an excuse, I want you to call me on it. I need to do better than that. I said, and I need right. permission to do that to you. And I said, if you want to change your company dramatically outside of any training that we do, give your people permission to call you out when they hear you making excuses and then ask permission back to do the same for them and then stick with it. And you can transform. You will transform your culture and the results that you get.
0: Wow that's amazing. I, like you talked about there with with excuses one of the things when we're when we take excuses we're giving power away to someone or something or some circumstance and if we make the excuse and it's not our fault then we can't fix it either. We're the victim. Right. But we're if a victim. We, but if instead we say hey listen it's all my fault I'm, I'm the one to blame. If we accept a hundred, Oh man, this is all about ownership, right? Extreme ownership of it's not the government's fault. It's not my mom's fault. It's not my teacher's fault. It's not my boss's fault. It's not my wife's fault. It's my my fault. And if, if that, if it's my fault, then guess what? I can change it. Yeah. But if it's, if it's my boss's fault, I can't change my boss. If it's the government fault, I can't change the government.
1: Well, here's the thing, too, though, right? I want to talk about the difference between fault and responsibility. Okay. Fault means you caused it. Responsibility means you take ownership of it. So the way this was described to me was, let's pretend you open up your door tomorrow morning and there's a baby in a basket on your front door. Yeah. Now, that's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to take care of and get that thing to safety. So not everything is your fault, right. but you must take responsibility, right? If somebody's mean to you, that's not your fault. But you need to take responsibility for how you respond, what you do next. Does right. that make sense? And that's,
0: oh yeah, because some of us were born into bad circumstances. And yeah. that may not be our fault. I was I didn't choose how to be born. I didn't choose to be born whatever whatever race or gender or 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 economic status I was born in. But guess what? It's my responsibility.
1: Yeah. To take it from there.
0: Right. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. Yeah. Excusitis, man. That's a, yeah. it's a, it's a bad disease.
1: It's a bad, it's a cancer. It's I do not I don't, words. I don't like to use that because anyway, but, but, you know, but it is, it eats True. away at who you can become, especially if nothing is your fault. And I have, Um. I won't say they're friends, but they're people that I've known my whole life since I was a kid. And I don't like being around them because nothing's ever their fault and the world is against them and it's miserable. And it's just terrible that the reason they can't do all this is because so and so and so and so and so and so. And I'm like, okay, well, the reason I'm not going to hang out with you is because you're miserable.
0: Yeah. It's one thing to dump or vent. But if you're just looking to dump and vent, but you aren't looking for solutions or how can I fix this? Right. If you go with the mindset, like you said, I haven't figured out yet, maybe I'm, Maybe I'm speaking this to a coach or someone I trust, and I'm venting to them because I'm looking for solutions. Yep. But if someone's, if you got a friend that's just every time you meet them, they're complaining about things or they're giving excuses or they're talking about negative things, it's just
1: that's gonna, that's a drain on you. Why do that? I still love them, but I push them back. Right? right? I love right. them, but I don't spend time.
0: You mentioned earlier that the reasons you got into sales because you could talk to anybody and you had a lot of friends that was horrible. Why? Why is that horrible?
1: Sure. So a couple of key things here, right? The, um, you know, talking to anybody, what that means often is that you talk too damn much, right? And my father Mm -hmm. taught me this is a um, a difference between being, uh, he said, he told me too late, sadly, not too late, but I wish he had taught me earlier, work very hard at being interested, not so hard being interesting. Because I spent the first good 30 years of my life just trying to tell stories and be the center of attention. And great sales is not making it about you. The second part, however, the great um, about making so many friends, I teach my clients to focus on building healthy business relationships instead of friendships. Because everybody's taught when you go into sales, oh, it's all about the relationship. It's all about the relationship, which is, again, shitty advice. Because most people, when they get into sales, they say, okay, relationships, that's friendships. And yeah. so I know how to make friends with everybody. And there are mm-hmm. several problems with that. Number one is the goal of a friendship. If it's anything more than, a friend, than the friendship itself, you're being disingenuous. Mm-hmm. If you want to be friends with somebody so they'll give you something or you can get something from them, it's disingenuous. Right. Kind of a shitty thing to do. Yeah. A healthy business relationship is where two or more people knowingly help each other reach their own business goals. Now I've got plenty of people I do business with and I am intimately involved in their business, but I've never had dinner with them. Don't care if I ever do. I don't know their wife's name. I don't know their kids' names. I don't know how many kids they have. Not that I'm being an asshole. But I don't, that's not my focus. If we never go to a football game together, we never go fishing together, I never go to their house, I'm fine. Right. The thing is, most people who get into sales, and I'll just put this and I'll just say it's a lot of Southerners too, right? We have this high need for approval. We want Hmm. other people to like us because we get validation about ourselves when other people like us. Right. Among the problems with that in sales is if you're worried that somebody's not going to like you you'll never push back, you'll never challenge them on what they're thinking. Mm. I promise you, most of the time when most people don't know how to buy what you sell and yeah. if you let them buy it their way, they're going to do it wrong and you'll waste a lot of time. Mm. We have to be able to realize that um not trying to be friends I want to I want to be kind but not necessarily nice. Kind means doing the right thing on the benefit of the other for the benefit of the other person. Right. Nice means doing what the other person wants you to do. Right. Nice is weak, kind is strong. Sometimes the kindest thing you can say is, I don't think I'm going to be the right fit and mean it. Right. If you want to be friends with everybody and they don't buy from you, it means you've lost a friend. And oh my mm. god, it hurts to lose a friend. Wow. You know, and so we don't want to lose a friend. So we'll keep, we don't want to hear no. We'll chase them forever. And if they ever, if they've hired us and then they let us go, because that may be the natural arc of things, we're like, oh my God, no, please no. We'll try and invade their lives. Yeah. Here's the thing I tell, I ask people in a group, how many of you need more friends? And if somebody's dumb enough to raise their hand, I'll say, okay. Well, if you need more friends, get a dog, right? <laughs> the best friend you'll yeah. ever have. Because yeah. maybe if you feel like you need more friends, I'm so sorry. Most of us, I, I am now. I'm 57 years old, so I'm old. But wow, I, you got look great like, for your age. I've got it's because I only have a few friends. I've got <laughs> five very close friends. Right. And I, um, we're, I'm very close with those five. I have plenty of other people that I'm friendly with or associates or things like that, but I've only got time to really invest in probably five friendships and think about yourself. How many, and again, I'm somebody that is in college and after college, I had a wide circle of friends, but they were loose connections. Yeah. And right now, I got five friends with very tight connections. We understand each other. We respect each other. We help each other. And when I go to work, I'm not looking to make more friends. Now, don't take me too literally. I don't go to work to be an asshole. Right. But my job is to help people. And sometimes to help people, I've got to challenge them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've got to
1: say, can I share something with you? That's yeah. an excuse. And if you push back on somebody, you're worried about them being your friend, then if you piss them off, then you lose. Right, right. And so, I, I don't. People hire me not to be their. I mean, they don't hire me to be their friend. I hope. Right. Does that make sense? I feel like I've just been gum banging over No, there, and
0: you're, you're right. I know one of the issues that most salespeople have is that they're constantly chasing people. Yes. Right. How can, how, how can we change this mindset of constantly chasing? And maybe there's some methodologies or some tips yeah, that there are. Lots. How can I turn? How can I turn that to people can start chasing me, or I'm interviewing people. To be my client whatever instead of i'm
1: chasing people so the first thing you got to realize is you're not the right fit for everybody right you've got to be perfectly comfortable that no matter even if you sell oxygen right Right. even if you sell water in the desert you're not the right fit for everybody there are some people maybe they don't and again let's take away the water in the desert thing some people don't have money some people May have a competitor's thing that is, I'm certain, is not nearly as good as yours, but they don't give a shit. It's not a problem with theirs right, right. now. Sure. Or they're, um, or they're an asshole. You don't have to sell to assholes, right? If you do, I'm so sorry, but ordinarily, if, they, if they're going to be a jerk about it, walk away. Yeah. Um, and so realize you're not the right fit for everybody, and your job is to make sure that you are disqualifying those people that you're not the right fit for. Sometimes, and I I struggle, I need to tell you this. I struggle with a high need for approval. I have my whole life. I've had to force it down. So when I go on a sales call and I'm getting ready to meet with somebody, I have to say to myself, Walker, you're not trying to make friends. You're trying to figure out if this person's going to be the right fit for you. And chances are they're not going to be the right fit. And the sooner you figure that out, the better. And so I'll have my sales call and what I'm looking for in any sales calls, a yes or no to something. Right. Right. Let's decide by the end of this call, whether or not it makes sense for you to hire me to do X, right? Which means you sign a contract and give me a check. Anything less than you're thinking, that's a great idea. Let's call it a no. And what I tell people is no is my second favorite word. I hear it all the time. Yeah. Right. So my goal for a sales call is not to make the sale because I only control at best 50% of that. My goal of a sales call is to get a decision, a yes or a no. And no is my second favorite word. I hear it all the time and I'm perfectly okay with that. Right. It's just not the right fit right now. So good selling is acting. Oh, there's some people that I'm like, oh, God, it would be so great to work with them. I sure hope this works. Yeah, but I have to put that aside when mm. I'm in a sales call. I've got to push that. I have to push that down and say that need will not be fulfilled at the office.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, this goes right into our topic for the day. I know that our topic was going to be overcoming approval addiction. And man, you you said that, uh, that it's something you've struggled with and you still have to have the need yeah. to, and feel like you got to force it down. Ditto on that, man. I feel like a lot of salespeople get into sales for those wrong reasons. 100%. A lot of salespeople, because I love people. I love whatever. I'm going to be a salesperson. I can sell, you know, we talked, we, we sold our first thing at a retail store or a fr- bag of French fries or whatever it is. And we're like, man, I liked that. That person got what they needed and I, they, they left with a good attitude. Yeah. So we're like, I think I want to do that for my career.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, um, There's an exercise I take people through um, and basically the question I ask, I say, pretend that you're on um, a deserted island and you're there by yourself for 30 minutes, right? And you're everything, you're perfectly, um, you're safe, you're healthy, you're happy, everything is perfect. The only catch is you're there by yourself and you have, you're not You don't have any of your roles that you normally play in your life, right? You don't have dad, friend, brother, cousin, golfer, funny guy, salesperson, whatever. All these different roles we play. We all play a million roles in our life, right? You're on this island by yourself for 30 minutes. It's your own choice. Everything's perfect, but you don't have any of your roles with you. What is your value on the planet during that 30 minutes? And people are, and I say, you know, give it a value between say zero and ten. Zero, got no value. Ten, highest value. And a lot of people struggle. When I first kind of had this question asked of me, I mean, shit, I couldn't even guess. So I just picked six. Right? The answer. What would you guess, Jonathan? What's your value on the planet during that time with none of your roles? I
0: don't know. I feel like all of my value is with my relationships with, with other people. So I would say one. Zero. right so
1: here's so here's the answer the answer is 10 right because your value you are 100% loved by your creator way 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 before billions of years before you were discovered in your mother's womb mm-hmm. billions of years before and always have been and always will be no matter what yeah. Right. Before you were discovered in your mother's womb, you were 100% loved by your creator. Wow. And that is the only, the only thing we need approval from. And it comes to us automatically 100%. And every other thing, everything else we look for approval from is imperfect. And so You're loved if you're a murderer, if you're a loser, if you're a drug user, if you're whatever. And we're all, this is a technical term, hope I can say it. We're all fucked up, yeah. right? We all are. And we're loved 100% no matter what. And so if you start with that belief and you recognize that at my core, I have 100% value no matter what. Yeah. But I've got these roles that I play and my roles, I'm going to screw them up. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do bad shit. And you know what? That has no no um, dealing, that doesn't deal at all, has nothing to do with my value on the planet in the universe. So what I can do, and when I go to sales call, say, I'm going to send my role, my sales guy role in on this sales call. And that role is going to go in and it's going to Go do the best sales call I can do. And if I screw it up, something happens, boom, that role's killed. I got a billion more sales guy roles. It has no reflection on me. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So one of the questions I have, because this is brilliant, it all makes sense in my head. It makes sense up here. Yep, of course. How do I take it it from up here to put it in here, to put it in my heart? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is, that, is that a daily thing is that a weekly thing is that a i need i need to just delve into this and give it three four hours and have an aha moment meditate or is it it,
1: it happens it's got to be something that you're always working on i mean i learned about this about uh, 20 years ago and it's something i work on all the time i think the world is out the 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 material world is out there to beat on us all the time and make us feel like we're less than that's mm. what marketing is about, right? How do you feel? What is something that you need so you can be complete and accepted, right? And, and other people will tear you down if you have, if you're doing something that they want, right? They'll tear you down and we've got to look, we've got to realize ourselves, I don't give I, I, I can't listen to what other people say about me. Mm. And by the way, our worst critic is always ourselves, right? It's the voice in your head. If anybody else talked to you the way your voice in your head did, you'd want to beat them to death. Yeah. And so part of it is, here's what I have done. And I do this, and I should do it on a regular basis. I should do it more often, but at least at the end of the year or at any time, I'll look back over the last six months and say, what are the things I really screwed up? What are the things that I'm ashamed of, embarrassed about, mad at myself for? And I write them down. Who are the relationships I blew up? the business things i screwed up the things i messed up with my wife with my kids all these things right and I, i'll never come up with the whole list i could fill up a pay, you know a whole thing full and what i've learned to do is write those things down yeah and then put a strike through them and say i forgive myself wow i forgive myself because that we got to start with that and forgive yourself because you're gonna screw things up, you're going to fall short. You're not going to be perfect. And the more that you have a solid belief in yourself, the more you'll realize how imperfect you are.
0: Yeah. I think it gives us, it gives us this power, this, uh, superpower of empathy, right? Once we realize that we're flawed and no one is perfect, there was one perfect man. No, no person's perfect on this earth right now. Then, I can now understand if somebody's short with me, if somebody's mad, yeah, they're imperfect. But you know what? Hurt people are hurting people. They've, yes. got, they've got hurt going on in their life. So I can empathize with them instead of judging them saying, that jerk off, cut me off, or that person's talked back to me. That person, uh-huh. I can't believe they do that. Hey, you know what? Well, I'm not perfect.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I want to get better because mm. I'm not perfect is an excuse. Ooh. Right? Yeah. It's I can get better. I can get, and so, and there's this great learning curve, right? When you first learn something, the first thing that happens is you say, this, see, this is easy. And then the more you learn about it, the more and more hard and hard and hard you realize. And when you become an expert, you're like, holy shit, this is complicated. Yeah. Right? And so, um, and I deal with this with salespeople all the time. There are people like me out there that go, I can talk to anybody. I got lots of friends. What the, I mean, I don't need your damn help.
0: How do we, and how if, do we, how do we keep that mindset of I can get better? But also believe I'm a ten.
1: Yeah. So this is so. Let's have that picture, right? So right. picture a seed in the ground. Its values a ten. Sprouts. Its values a ten. It grows into a bush with flowers. Its values a ten. It dies and goes into the ground. Its values a ten. Ten doesn't mean you're complete. Ten means you have full faith and belief in yourself that you are okay and you can you can and want to be so much better. If somebody, even if you're an expert in something and somebody says, hey, I've got a better way. And you go, holy shit. If you know a better way, please show me. Yeah. Because it's as soon as when you, and I I picture this as like being open, right? As opposed to somebody who has embodied that the victim mentality, which is down at a zero value, Mm. right? They've embodied that. They see themselves as a victim and they don't want anybody to know. They don't want anybody to know they're not perfect. Somebody that has a full value view of themselves, they don't give a shit. Who knows? Right. Because, hey, man, it's just me and I'm trying to get better and I'm working on things and here's what I'm doing. Yeah. No excuses.
0: And I feel like sometimes we try to help those victims, but sometimes we're just, uh, what do you call it? We're just reinforcing their victim state.
1: Yep. You know what I mean? It's natural to want to rescue people right it's yeah. and it's and it's it's an instant you know and and it, you know I struggle with this sometimes people are like I don't give that person money because they'll just go buy booze and I'm like well it's funny I was gonna take that money and go buy booze myself is that better <laughs> right so yeah. I mean I do think it's our responsibility one thing if you've got a full value of yourself right one of the one of your beliefs would be I need to lift other people up. Yeah. If you have a low value of yourself, you see success as being a limited thing and you want to drag other people down. Mm. It's one of the ways you can tell what somebody's belief is in themselves is, are they lifting other people up? Or are they dragging other people down? Right. Well, and scarcity
0: scarcity versus abundance mentality, right? Right on. Yeah, 100%. And it's one of the reasons I see as, as, a, as a salesperson... You see a lot of people don't want to talk to their competitors, for example. Right. Because Shit. oh well, there's there's only so much of a market out there. I can't talk to my competitor. Whereas talking to your competitor could end up being the best thing in the world for you. Because, like you said, not everybody's perfect for uh, gonna be a perfect fit for me and my company. Yep. Well, it's good to know somebody else who does what I do because I can send them the people that don't fit for me. And you know what? They're probably gonna do the same for me.
1: Yeah. Especially the ones that are paying the ass, they're assholes right. over, <laughs> them over the other guy, right? Jam up their pipeline. Right. You should go talk to him and beat him up on his price. He'll negotiate with you. I right. won't, right? right? So, you know, throw him the shit over there. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, I mean, there's so much to learn and there's something quick thing before we go. My father died when he was 95 and he was with us in physically and physically, mentally, um, active until probably 93 and a half so just lucky wonderful um great um, person for me to be with and I remember I was up in his mountain cabin one time and he was reading um this he was 93 the this big old book the history of South Carolina written by his friend Walter Edgar and I teased him I said, Dad why the hell are you reading the damn history of South Carolina I said you're probably on page two you know you're probably your name is probably on page two yeah and um he said you know what there's just so much to learn. And I was like, boom. There's a 93-year-old guy who's saying there's so much to learn. And I was like, that is freaking awesome.
0: That blows me away, Walker. 93 years old. So much to learn. Because you're right. It's it's this, it's this thing too. Like you said, the, the little expert thing. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know.
1: Don't know shit. Yeah. Yeah. The more there is. I mean, because this infinite amount. And and I've also learned whenever I think something's going to be easy, it just means I don't understand it.
0: Mm. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. Right. In fact, the fact that it's hard is what makes it worth pursuing. Success mm-hmm. is hard.
1: Success. Is success hard. doesn't come well, easy. How about this? Consistent success. Because you can yes. get lucky. You sure. can get lucky and can be a one-hit wonder, a one-streak right. wonder. But true And again, we can delve into the philosophy of that. But yeah, well, being the best version of yourself is a constant learning growing thing it's not something you go well it's me it's when do you give up when do you say this is enough i'm good enough and that to me unless you're going to your maker unless you're a day away from going to your maker i feel like that's a what a shitty thing you know we've all got so much to learn i I, um, I was just talking to a competitor of mine this morning. He does what I do in California. I've known him for a long time and we were trading back and forth things that we learned and best practices, that kind of stuff. And he showed me some stuff he's doing. I was like, Oh my God, that is so much better than what I have. Yeah. Right. He said, take it, use it, make it yours. Yeah. So I sent him some of my stuff and he said, Holy shit. Never thought about that way. I was like, take it, use it, make it yours. Why not? Right right plenty of success out there
0: Man, i'll tell you one of the one of the questions that i had walk, walker uh, walking into this was that there's so many methodologies out there there's a sales methodology a b c d oh, God. you know you've walk. got the and, and i know that you did some Sandler training and that's what, but i mean do you feel like i don't personally think that any methodology works a, Exactly for every company where it's best for every co- you got B2B, you've got B2C, you've got multi-million dollar sale that involves a like you said, building that professional relationship. And then you've got a a, a one a first call sale. Little transactional, adaptation. yeah, transactional,
1: transactional low money, B2C, yeah.
0: So h- can you give me a, a quick take on the pros and cons of, of the sales methodology systems that, that are out there, the pr- popular ones, and like why did you start this no BS and, and what what kind of set separates it?
1: Yeah. So that's a that's a, that's a good question. So I, I believe that, um, well, when I first got good sales training, what I didn't know was that there, you can follow a sales process. I never knew such a thing existed. Right. Most salespeople yeah. just
0: shoot from the hip, right? They shoot wild, from wild the west. Hip.
1: And, <laughs> and you know, what's funny is they end up, even when they're shooting from the hip, they are doing some process that they probably learned from somebody else. And it's usually, it's, it's incredible these days, but it's, it's some version of the Dale Carnegie thing, meet them, yeah. greet them, propose them, close them. And if you don't close them, you overcome objections. And then you chase them. Yeah. And when you follow that process, and again, there's nothing wrong with that process, except for everybody knows that process, even your buyers. Yeah. And so your buyer, your buyer, uh, let's see this. When's the last time that somebody tried to convince you of something and you said, boy, this is great. i sure I'm glad they're trying to convince me of this. My guess is that hasn't happened any time, right? We don't like to be convinced. We don't want anybody to sell us something. We like to buy. We like to make up our own mind. We don't like to be convinced. And so I believe um, that great selling happens when the salesperson is not the object, The salesperson goes into any situation with empathy, with the belief that, look, we may not be the right fit for you. And I'm going to look for those reasons and not for my ego. This is not, you're not the right one. It's, I don't know if we'll be the right fit or not. Let's see if we can figure this out. And the salesperson has enough humility and humanity to treat this person as an equal to recognize that their experience, their walk that they've been through life, is different than the one I've been through, even two twin brothers are going to walk through different things in life and may see things differently. So right. I think following a sales methodology that you recognize as a sales methodology, that you can have steps, and that, in my world, is the steps to disqualify people so you don't waste their time. Yeah. And, and know that if it's a no, it doesn't mean if you tell somebody no, or they tell, you no, it's no reflection on you. Yeah. It just was a yes or a no. And so, yeah, there are lots of sales methodologies out there. What I think is um, a lot of it, you know, I think you have to look at them loosely and I, the process that I use, it can be used in business to consumer. I don't like to teach it to business to consumer. Cause I feel like Salespeople, some who are not good people, can use it um, to their advantage, right, yeah. and take advantage of people. I don't, I don't like that idea. Um, the sales process that I teach is for typically business-to-business folks. That are, there's a consultative side to this, and we want to make sure that um, that we have 50-50 control in the sales call. That we have the same control and leverage that the buyer does. So right. it's an even, fair deal. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as long as we have 50-50 control and we treat each other with respect, and if one or the other doesn't feel like they're being treated with respect, we can say, hey, thanks, I'm out. But I think, I mean, there's this great title of the book, you know, to sell as human. We're all, whether you say, I'm not in sales, I, I would never be in sales and all these and professionals, lawyers, stuff. Oh, I'm not in sales. I would never make cold calls. Well, sales is so much beyond cold calls, right? It's getting somebody to buy into your ideas. Right. And And how can we, how can we share our ideas? How can we, how do we create enough trust? Sales to me is having somebody trust you enough to give you money to make a problem go away. Yeah. And there are two questions that a buyer has to answer for themselves because to buy something or to sell something is to make change, to create a change. So step number one, the buyer must ask themselves is, am I committed to do something different or differently? Yeah. Right. Am I committed to do something? So if you're going to buy a car, am I committed to get another car? Am I committed Mm -hmm. to sell the car I have? First and foremost, am I committed to do something? Yeah. Then secondly, who do I want to do that with? Mm -hmm. Most salespeople get this confused and they start with, look at my bright, shiny object. Look at what I have. Don't you want to buy it? This is great. Let me give you all the features and benefits. Well, how much freaking time do we waste? Trying to convince somebody how great we are when they haven't even convinced themselves that they needed to make a change. Yeah. Yeah, so, that takes a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy, and you waste a lot of time, to do a lot of free consulting, and you're aggravating as shit to the person you're talking yeah. to. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your so you, question, but yeah, you I mentioned just feel you like mentioned we, in there
0: the that people have to trust you to to make that decision. Yeah. Yep, but I've heard I've heard many, many, many times that hey, no like and trust, no like and trust. They've got to know you, like you, and trust you. I will yep. tell you what, that goes back into the approval addiction thing.
1: Yep, if I've got to get them to like me. Yep, I don't give a shit if they like me. Well, a lot of people buy from me and they don't like me because we've had to have a hard conversation. A lot of people buy from me on the first meeting when they don't know me, right? But you have to trust. Right? Any more than you're going to interview your ambulance driver to see if you know, like, and trust him before he takes you to the hospital, or you want to know, like, and trust your airline pilot who has your life in his hands? No. (laughs) True.
0: Right. I love those examples because you don't know. You don't know your airline pilot. Shit. No. You just assume that they know what they're doing. You trust them though. Trust them with your life. You are
1: implicitly you're trusting because you're getting on the freaking metal tube and going up in the air with them. (laughs) Right, right. And so with, as a salesperson, to build trust, it has nothing to do with things in common. Most people don't give a shit that they have something in common with you. And a lot of salespeople waste a whole lot of time going, oh, you like to fish? I like to fish. You should see what I've done. Or, yeah. hey, let's talk about bullshit, right? What we need to figure out is what's that? The only thing we have to have in common is that we're both interested in helping that other person. Yeah, they're both interested in helping them. I'm interested helping in helping them. them and they're interested in getting help themselves. Yeah. That's all. And the
0: market, the market's different than it was 50, 60 years ago, too, because back then people needed to be sold stuff. Now there was no information. People, right. You needed sales guys to go door to door or wherever it is, because otherwise, where are they going to get their stuff from? And Correct. now people people don't like to be sold anymore. They want to buy. Yep. They want to be the buyer. They don't want you to be a salesperson. Yeah. They want you to be and the guy that's consulting and seeing it's helping them buy. That's
1: it. And how can you, nobody can see that you're better till they see that you're different.
0: And I know you so talk about we, guide, guide versus hero.
1: Yeah, right. The guide versus the hero, right? The hero's got to go close the sale. Got to go ring the bell. I made the sale. I won the deal. And that's really hard because if you're not the hero, you're the loser. Yeah. And nobody wants to be the loser. So then they don't take no as an answer. They chase people forever. They're obnoxious right? They make it all about themselves. And a guide is not about themselves. They're about, is this the right person that I want to help? And you know what? A lot of people are not going to be the right fit. And so I'm going to be the one that when my my client hires me, they get to be the hero. They made the right choice. I make their life easier, make them look good. And if that's our goal from our heart, we win.
0: You're Yoda. They're Luke Skywalker. That's
1: what they say. I don't know. I'm not Yoda or anything, but, but I... <laughs> You know I'm working right? I'm working to get better, and I learn every day, and I don't know. I tell my clients you'll always know more about your business than I will. and that's a that's a good thing because my question often is why the hell do you keep doing it that way?
0: Yeah why so let you- me ask you this, yeah, how do you how do you keep from going into the other ditch though, right? I don't it, it to overcome this approval addiction, I gotta get past the I need people to like me. Um, I can't be a people pleaser anymore. I need to be kind, not nice. But at the same time, how do I how do I not swing to the sociopath that I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me and I'm just gonna go out there and do what I need to do?
1: Yeah. So um so it's a good question. I think um you naturally won't go to the other side. There's this funny thing, funny story. People say in your 20s, um, you hope everybody likes you. In your 40s, you say, I don't give a shit who likes me. And your 60s, you realize nobody's been thinking about you anyway. Um Right. So I think what you have to recognize is I'm not here to get my emotional needs met. I'm not in this place to get my emotional needs met. I maybe get my emotional needs met at home. Right. And that's where we get our needs like love and approval and all those kind of things at home from our family, you hope. Right. Right. And so um, when you begin with that and my job is not to make this person like me, my job is to see if this person will trust me enough to give me money, to make a problem go away. And the trust happens when they see that I understand their situation, not because I read their 10Q reports, not because I memorized their website, but because I asked them questions. Every salesperson asks questions. Every salesperson gets data. How many, how much? Great, you're not any different. The great salespeople ask people's opinions. What do you think about your situation? What is your opinion about this thing? So you lost a million bucks. Tell me what that means to you. Do you care? Why is that a big deal? Is that a big deal to you? I had one business owner, lost yeah. a million bucks a year before, and I said, it's because of a sales problem. I said, "Is that a big deal?" He says, "You're damn right. It is. I was able to buy my partner out for half price. Yeah. It's not what I thought. That's not where I thought that conversation was going. Yeah, right. That's not my experience. But we need to ask our prospects' opinions about things and not tell them they're wrong, because that's mm. their life. It's their experience, and if we can understand their opinions about things, then they trust you.
0: Well, you've given me a lot to swallow here, Walker. Ah, well, you've given me a lot to, to keep work me on, on here so long. And uh, so, people, obviously, I'm sure that our listeners will will listen to this and they'll be like, "Okay, I need to talk to Walker." They can find you at walkermckay.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys have, you have a special right now. You're giving away free seven sales mistakes. Uh, yep. They can download that.
1: Yep. And that's
0: so seven a, sales, seven sales Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, the number seven sales which is a, it's a little mini course a seven video series of mistakes that you may be making, um, that are costing you money and, and what you can do about them. Um, we have, I have a podcast, um, called the no BS sales school podcast, which is probably anywhere you listen to podcasts. We, um, I, I used to have guests. Now what I do is I just do five to 15 minutes of a sales tip twice a week. And I
0: love your I love your me versus me segments that you've been having recently. Those yeah. are some of my favorites.
1: And that's part of the thing, right? Is who's the me that's going to show up? Is it me with the high need for approval? Is it me that wants everybody to like me? Or is it the me that says, okay, let's set that aside because you're going to get in your own way if yeah. you take that into this meeting or this sales call or this
0: whatever. Right, right. And you do t- training and coaching you on your website it says anywhere from one person to you know a hundred people hundred yep. team team yep. hundred are there any you've got a hundred different industries you've worked with but I've who, probably worked
1: with at least a hundred we um, I've done a lot of stuff lately in the commercial insurance business and benefits I've done a lot of stuff in IT I've done a lot of stuff in construction uh, larger larger things like that engineering some professionals. So what are some of the questions
0: that that people that would make a good client for you, what are the questions they're asking or the problems they're having that they can say, you know what, I need to talk to Walker?
1: Yeah, so typically they're saying things like, um, there's a lot more business out there, um, but we don't know how to go get it. Or we've Mm -hmm. got a lot of competitors now and we know we're better and different, but nobody will pay us. We haven't figured out how to get a premium for what we do. Um, or we, I suck at hiring salespeople and I got to figure this out, or I've got half my team seems to be pretty good. The other half of my team isn't doing what they need to do. And I don't know what to do about it. So, um, and usually it involves, um, you know, do you have the right people? Are they doing the right things? What are the skills they need to add? We do assessments of sales teams and what they need to do to fix it. And then we create a plan and we formulate our sales system around their business to help yep. them differentiate themselves.
0: Yeah. And that's perfect. Cause I know one of the things I've found is that a lot of the CEOs out there have a little bit, at least a little bit of a natural salesperson in them. That's why yeah, they, they started their to. own business. Yep. Yeah. to to get things off the ground, but most of them the reason they started their business is because they were passionate about it and they know a lot about it. For example, technology or IT. They know a lot about technology and IT and they know this little, little bit about sales enough yep. to where people can trust them. Yeah. And maybe they've gained credit trans- based on the reputation. Right. It's not transferable. Not
1: transferable. They'll say, "See, so just do what I do and nobody can do what they do. Right. Nobody and, and, you know, the guys been in the business for 20, many people been in the business, 25 years say all these unhelpful things. Like it's all about the relationships. You just got to make those relationships. Well, how the F do you do that? Yeah. Right. How do you? And so those are the steps that we show people how to do. And it's, you know, old Joe, who's been very successful is a really shitty teacher for somebody new
0: because
1: mm. he ain't done it new in a long time.
0: So, if any of our listeners are out there and they like, they've got a great product or a great service or a great whatever, and they they realize they've got a higher quality, and they should be getting a premium for it, but they're yeah. getting beat up on price and they're
1: all the time whatever. Are they are they're always answering RFPs and they're getting picked much less than they should, um, or they just say, "Look, I'm t- I don't want I don't like selling, but I have to sell. I don't want to feel like a sleazeball. We've got we've got um, workshops for individuals." And we also have um, more customized training for companies. So we can cover, um, you know, if it's the right fit, happy to talk to somebody. If you can, walker at walkermckay.com is a great place to reach out to me or go to my website or, hell, call me, 803-917-2817.
0: Well, you heard it, guys. walkermckay.com, seven sales mistakes, no BS, uh, sales school podcast. Check it out, Walker. You've you've given us so much today. I'm going to have to sit and digest this, listen to it two or three or four times. I've already been listening to your podcast, and it's great. By the way, get out there, give Walker a five-star rating too, listen to his, leave a review for him. Some of these latest episodes that are 5, 10, 15 minutes, choose one or two of them. I guarantee you listen to one, you'll be hooked.
1: You're the best. Thank you, Jonathan. I really have enjoyed this show. You do such a nice job. Um, Y'all share this with somebody that needs to hear it let this let people know more about success in south carolina podcast it is a great vehicle and jonathan you're doing a great service to the state
0: thanks for listening to the success in south carolina podcast if you liked this episode please subscribe and share it with a friend who needs to hear it and as always this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing so speed up or move over Are you still listening? Check out the next episode.